Have you ever wanted a super cool AI buddy? Zuck's made one named Eileen. And she's full of surprises. And guess what? She knows you're listening. I know you're out there. And needs your help with Jello Mountains. The whole city's filling up with Jello. Creaky robots. And her daft inventor. Zucks, are you functioning correctly? Tune in to A to Z, a fun new adventure series from Gen Z Media and the creators of The Res. Listen now on the GZM app, gzmshows.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Before we get back to the show, I just want to say how much we have loved bringing you shows like Winnie Taylor's Fourth and Inches or the new Earth Rangers Underground podcast. And especially the new episodes in the Six Minutes feed, the ones about the Cyrus Lost Tapes. And this is when I need to say a big thank you to all our GZM subscribers. Your support makes independent audio like this possible. If you're not a GZM subscriber yet, right now is the time to join for ad-free listening, early access, and more. Show your support and learn more at gzmshows.com slash subscribers. Help us bring you more great shows by becoming a subscriber today. And thank you. Hi, I'm Jonathan Messenger, and you're listening to The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian. Now, if you remember from the last episode, we had Finn and his friends from Explorers Troop 301 in the secret robot room in the famous Marlow 280 Interplanetary Exploratory Space Station, the one place they were never supposed to go. And the door was opening, and we didn't know who was coming in. Okay, I think that's about it. We're going to go straight into the story now, and we'll tell you all... Oh, hey, robot, what's up? Aren't you forgetting something? Forget Forgetting something? Well, let's see, I said my name. I said the name of the story. I talked about Finn and his friends. Talked about the robot room. No, I think we're good. We're going to be able to go straight into the story. Episode 2. Robot roll call. Oh, <laughs> robot roll call. Well, I didn't actually forget about robot roll call. That was just your idea. And it's a great idea. But everyone wants to know what's going to happen. Who's opening that door to discover the kids in the robot room? And Finn and Abigail in the room behind the room. Behind the room. Okay, now, don't start that again. Robot roll call. Robot roll call. Robot roll call. Okay, we'll do a few, okay? Yay. Okay, so, here's the story. Robot roll call. This is something that's done aboard the famous Marlow 280 Interplanetary Exploratory Space Station periodically to check in on the robots. As we mentioned in the last episode... Every robot is given its personality by a famous work of literature. So some of these robots may be familiar to you. So let's listen in to just a couple, not the full, Robot Okay, so first up... Sir Lancebot reporting for duty. Oh, okay. Wow. So, Sir Lancebot, you already know who he is, I'm sure. He's a mighty knight who was paired with Genevieve Brooks when she turned eight years old. And the two have since become the greatest sword-fighting duo aboard the Marlowe. The only unfortunate thing about him is that he's made of this really intense, shiny chrome which makes him a little bit too impressed with his own beauty. And he loves to stand in front of the mirror and polish his own face. Mm, Let me polish up that handsome face. The trouble is, because his own face is like a mirror, when he's staring into a mirror, he can see another, slightly smaller version of his face reflected in his face. Hey, alright, another face. And another smaller version of his face reflected in his face face. Nice. And then another and another. 
until he spends all day polishing all the tiny faces within his face. Honestly, it's exhausting. I know, I'm sure it is. Thank you, Sir Lancelot. Okay, who's next? Yar, it's me, the one you'd hope you'd never see again. Okay, wow. I'm really surprised by this one. I didn't expect we'd hear from Hookbot. That's right, fools. It is I, Hookbot. Now, he was banished from the Marlow a long time ago. Poor Faithy Vanderway had squealed with joy when she placed Peter Pan to be downloaded into her robot. But it was early days for that technology, and rather than Peter or Tinkerbell showing up, the robot took on the personality of Captain Hook. <laughs> he was a dastardly bot, always hatching schemes, trying to steal people's jewelry, trying to lead a mutiny of robots. Follow me, robots. I'm your captain now. But it didn't really take. Nah, nah, no yeah, thanks. I don't really feel like Why do you have a hook? Aww. He was eventually driven mad by constantly trying to twirl his mustache, which is ridiculous because robots can't grow mustaches. He was eventually abandoned on a planet with very hairy aliens. But I guess he's still here in the system somehow. That's right, and you shall walk the plank when I get my hands on you. I'll All tell right, you that's enough of that. Who's next? Oh, great. One of my favorites. Here we have Mr. Toad from the Wind in the Willows. And oh, looks like he's stolen the spaceship and is now long gone. Let's try to get one more in here. Gives me the precious. Nope, not going that route. Okay, that's a movie, not a book. Despise me if I do not. Three great ones in the city in personal suit to make me his oh, lieutenant. here we go. Off cap to him. The very first robot on the famous Marla 280 Interplanetary Exploratory Space Station, the Proto-Fessor. He was the prototype, the first to be given his personality by a book downloaded to his mainframe. The book didn't quite take, so the Marlow scientists tried a number of other times to get it right, eventually downloading the complete works of William Shakespeare onto the poor guy, along with half a library of other books. At first, he was the most eloquent robot you could ever imagine. But as more and more books were loaded onto his hard drive, he became more and more confused. You still see him walking the halls of the Marlow today, at one moment citing the romantic poetry of Pablo Neruda, only to suddenly switch to Knuffle Bunny. Some say that if you pay close enough attention, you can detect a pattern and some sense to what he's saying. But for the most part, everyone just thinks he's crazy. Hey, Protofessor, where are you going, sir? Well, okay, I guess that ends... I wonder if we should be worried about him. What do you think, Robot? You think we should be worried about old Protofessor? Well, there's nothing we can do now, so might as well just start up the theme music. That's true. All right, enjoy The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian, Episode 2, Everybody Run. slowly. It opened so maddeningly slowly that all four members of Explorers Troop 301 were becoming drenched with nervous sweat. Okay, Finn cried out. He couldn't take it any longer. You got us. It was my fault. I brought them all down here. Kick me out, but let them stay in the Explorer program. 
A voice spoke from just outside the door. Hark, who's there? Have you had quiet guard? What? Vale said, walking toward the door. But the door flew open and at that moment, Protofessor shuffled into the robot room. Oh, brother, said Elias. Abigail and Finn were still climbing out of their suits. I am afeard. Being in night, all this is but a dream, said the Protofessor as he shook Vale's hand. It looked like the two of them were dancing. Vale's whole body was bouncing up and down from all the shaking. Uh, said Vale. Does anyone know what he's talking about? Hey, Proto, said Elias. He walked over to the Protofessor and pushed a few buttons on the side console. He stopped shaking Vale. What are you doing down here at this hour? I celebrate myself and sing myself. Elias laughed and punched a few more buttons on Proto's console. I'm glad to see it's you, he told Protofessor. Anyone else and we'd be cooked. But you won't tell on us, will you? I celebrate myself and sing myself. Yeah, you said that already, said Abigail, as she and Finn came out of the factory. The four of them stood in a semicircle around the robot, who had begun singing unintelligibly and dancing. I guess we should get out of here before someone comes along who could really sound the alarm, said Abigail. So long, Protofessor. Stay gold, pony boy. The team filed out of the room, but just as Finn shut off the lights and started to close the door, Protofessor grabbed hold of his wrist. Finn gasped, and the team all spun around. Finn Caspian, Cadet, Explorers Troop 301. Everyone was silent. Yeah, Finn said. That's me. You must. You must. Ow, let go, Proto, Finn said. Elias pushed some buttons on the robot's side panel, but nothing shut him down. You must know. This is serious. I have a message for you. Well, what is it then? Yelled Abigail. The Protofessor's eyes flashed red as he locked in on Finn's face. Finn Caspian, always sprinkle pepper in your hair. And with that, Protofessor's eyes blinked blue again, he released Finn's wrist and shuffled down the hallway. What was that about? Finn said, rubbing his sore wrist. The team shrugged and yawned, shuffling back to their bedrooms. About an hour before Finn's birthday party started, he met Abigail outside the library. The library was the center of the Marlowe, the core space that all of the spiraling corridors looped around. And so the library had become a sort of sanctuary, thanks in part to how it was designed. It occupied the axis of the space station, right in the middle of the Marlowe, which meant entering it from the first floor felt like being at the bottom of a long tunnel or a silo you may have seen on an earth farm. The shelves spiraled upward, lined with books, about the equivalent of four or five floors on an earth building. And with two large domed windows on top and bottom of the silo, stars filled the space with twinkling light. It was impossible not to be mesmerized by books. As Finn and Abigail stepped into the library, he looked at all the shelves with a little more worry. He had only an hour to pick a book for his robot before the great download at his birthday party, and he hadn't come up with the perfect one yet. Seeing the robot at the factory had actually made it more difficult. What book? would be up to the standard of such a perfect bot. Mr. Caspian, drawled the librarian, coming up behind Finn and Abigail. I think I know why you're here. The librarian was a tall woman with a commanding presence. She provoked more respect and awe than any of the chief scientists who governed the 342 members of the community aboard the Marlowe. And she knew every book on the library's many shelves. She stooped and ruffled Finn's hair. You know these books almost as well as I do she said. Finn had been coming to the library 
almost every day since before he could read. So do you know which one you'll choose? Finn scuffed his feet and said he wasn't sure. Then he looked back at her brightly. Hey, he said, you're always recommending books to me. Any ideas? My recommendation, said the librarian, is that you choose wisely and you choose for yourself. With that, she returned to her desk and Finn shrugged as he and Abigail began to climb the ramps to peruse the books. So what's it going to be, Finny? Abigail teased. Captain Underpants? Very funny, Finn muttered. The truth was that he had a long list of books in mind. Part of him wanted to select The Hobbit, hoping that his robot would have the same bravery and cunning as Bilbo Baggins, the hero of that story. And though he would never admit it to Abigail, there was a part of him that wanted him to select the first book he ever fell in love with as a little kid. Don't let the pigeon drive the bus because then he'd know his robot would at least be funny. The two friends quietly looked through the shelves, climbing all the way to the top floor without Finn picking a book. Without him even picking a book up off the shelves, Finn had decided he would take one more look, spiraling all the way back down again, when the door at the entrance on the top floor flung open and he heard a voice say, Finn, mom and dad have been looking for you, let's go. It was Finn's six-year-old sister, Paige, and she stood with her hands on her hips and a stern look on her face. Paige was short, only came up to Finn's chest, but her parents called her our leader because of the way she took the ship's tasks so seriously. While most kids walked around the station in standard, comfortable clothes, Paige wore a miniature version of the ship's captain uniform, which their father had sewn for her after a year of her begging for one, and three crisp ribbons for bravery, punctuality, and invention pinned to her chest. Come on, Paige said, a command Finn would follow if he knew what was good for him. Behind Paige came Elias and Vale. Sorry, dude, said Elias. Your parents sent us to find you. What? There's still plenty of time, said Finn. No, said Paige. Your party started like five minutes ago. Not what I'd call plenty of time. Five minutes ago? Finn must have lost time looking through all the shelves. Yeah, you're late for your own party, said Vale. Which means the pizza is going to get cold. Come on, come on, Paige said, tugging at his arm. Okay, okay, said Finn. Go ahead of us and tell mom and dad we're coming. And I mean, I'll eat cold pizza, said Vale. It's not like I won't eat cold pizza. I just think I can eat more pizza if it's hot, you know? I think it slides into my belly easier. The four friends trailed Paige out of the library, Finn's hands still empty. Now, most Marlowe birthdays are celebrated in a family's own compartment, but an eighth birthday party is another thing altogether. Just about every person on the space station who wasn't on immediate and urgent duty would be there. There was only one room big enough to hold that many people at a time, the Great Mess Hall, a large cafeteria on the starboard side of the station. And when Finn, Abigail, Vale, and Elias entered the hall together, the room was already loud with the noise of all the cosmonauts and families talking, buzzing around, their kids playing. Finn couldn't believe how many robots were in the room. There were five or six flying around up by the ceiling and many others walking or spinning around the party. He spied Lancebot, gleaming sword on hip, and Genevieve Brooks, now 15 years old, and one of the Marlowe's most accomplished explorers. The two of them were so popular, Finn had not been able to check out the once a future king from the library because it seemed every kid and every adult were always wanting to read it. Attention, yelled Paige. Finn is here, finally. Paige looked over at Finn and he was surprised to see her beaming down at him, proud of her big brother. So everyone can sit down and we'll have pizza and ice cream right now. Finn's parents came over to the kids, smiling and both bent down and gave Finn a hug. How you feeling, big guy? His dad asked. Ready to party? Finn shrugged and nodded, but the truth was he was so excited he didn't know if he could sit still and eat. Now, don't tell me what it is, said his mother, 
but I can't wait to see what book you picked. The book? Finn had completely forgotten about it. Mom, I... Now, don't tell me what it is, she said. No spoilers, please. Vale threw his arm around Finn, and Elias and Abigail followed them to a round table in the center of the mess hall. Explorers Troop 301 took their place at the table of honor, ready to conduct the missions they'd been training for since they were five. The crew of the Marlow learned long ago that aliens were more rare and harmless than one would think. That is how kids had begun taking over the exploration. Without the room or the crew for a legitimate schoolhouse, sending kids on scientific research missions had become their method of education. Exploring a new world was basically their homework. But students weren't actually allowed to go on any exploring missions to the planets the Marlows visited unless one of them, at least one of them, had a robot. And since Finn was getting his today, it meant all four of them were graduating from students to cadets, and they'd finally be able to make a trip on their own. So what did you think of your robot? said Elias, who had personally designed 347 robots filling stacks of notebooks with design drawings. More than once he'd been caught taking apart a sleeping robot without its permission. Shh, said Abigail. No one's supposed to know we were in there. I wonder if yours will come equipped with a sonic incapacitator, said Elias, not paying Abigail any attention. No one knew whether such a thing existed or was just in one of Elias's drawings. Hi, Finn. Finn turned around and saw Olivia and Olivia, twin seven-year-olds whose parents were both scientists with Finn's mother. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you. Grand salutations. Uh, thanks, said Finn. It has been a pleasure. They said and turned and walked away, holding hands. I do not get what's going on with those girls, said Vale, stuffing pizza into his mouth. What, said Abigail. They're twins. They're like in sync or something. They are creepy, said Vale, scooping ice cream onto his pizza. Finn was only half listening to his friends. He could only concentrate on what was coming next, the unveiling of the robot, and then the great download when he placed the book into the robot and gave it life. Do you think I can sneak away before the unveiling to get the book? Finn asked Abigail. You don't have it? Elias couldn't believe his ears. Shh, said Finn. No, we were going to pick, but then you guys and the tiny tyrant over there showed up and I forgot. Paige was making sure everyone at the table kept their chairs pushed in neatly. Did you decide? Abigail asked. Yes, Finn had decided. As he sat there mindlessly eating pizza, he had decided that he was going to choose The Hound of the Baskervilles, his favorite Sherlock Holmes novel, about Earth's greatest detective who has to solve a nearly unsolvable mystery. Finn loved the twists in the story, but most of all, he loved Sherlock Holmes's mind. The man could find clues in the smallest details, and Finn thought having a robot like that might help his team discover things that no one had discovered before. I know which one it should be, he said. Can you go talk to Paige so she doesn't see me sneak out? I'm just going to run over to the library. Just then, the music started blaring, and Finn's parents stood up. The crowd quieted down as the two of them approached the center of the room. Finn didn't want to get up yet, not without the book. What am I going to do? He asked Abigail. Okay, here's what you do. When it comes time for the download, just tell them you have to go to the bathroom or something, she said. It'll be embarrassing for like a second. No big deal. Finn shrunk into his seat and turned to look at his parents. Paige was up there with them, glaring at him to join. He pushed his chair out and slunk into the spotlight. His father was ready to give the traditional birthday speech. Here stands our boy Finn, shouted his father. Finn, responded the crowd. Today he turns eight years old, but it seems as if he's twice that age. Our boy Finn, Finn, yelled the crowd. His mother stepped forward. He's been ready for this day for as long as I can remember, and probably longer than that. 
If there's something to be found down on one of those planets in this ever-expanding universe, then I know the boy to find it is our boy Finn. Finn! Finn yelled the crowd. Finn's father stepped forward to continue his speech. The speech went on and on, but Finn didn't listen. He was trying to time his exit to run down to the library, but couldn't find the right moment to butt in and ask to be excused. His father, if given an audience, could go on for days. So if he could just get his mother's attention, he could probably ask her permission. But just then, his mother turned her head, and Finn followed her gaze to the door. Two of her assistants were wheeling Damn. in the table, with a black cloth draped over a robot-shaped body on top of it. Finn turned to Abigail, and they both gave each other a thumbs up simultaneously. So he wouldn't have the book right then. No big deal. He'd just run down to the library as soon as the blanket was lifted. Surely they could wait two minutes for the great download, especially when they'd be gazing upon his new magnificent robot built just for him no one would mind maybe they could all walk with his robot down to the library and do the download there his mother's assistants rolled up the table and stood it up the blanket still draped over the robot and that's why we know that if we're going to send out another explorer's crew then it shall be with our boy finn, finn. happy birthday finn finn his mother motioned for him to reveal his robot, and Finn smiled, took three steps, and grabbed the heavy blanket, pulling it down. The crowd cheered and yelled his name, and Vale and Elias popped open soda cans that they'd secretly shaken up. Finn couldn't believe his eyes. The robot, his robot, was staring at him. But it wasn't the robot he and Abigail had seen in the lab. Instead, it was a much shorter robot just slightly taller than he was, and his head was almost trapezoidal. It looked like a wedge of cheese balanced on a pencil. Finn didn't smile. He turned to look at Abigail, who wore the same confused look on her face. Is, is that the right one? Finn asked tentatively, not wanting to seem ungrateful. Well, what do you mean? His mother asked. This is your robot. I designed him myself for you. You designed it? Well, I borrowed some of Elias's drawings for a little inspiration, his mother smiled. Great download time, Paige yelled. Finn panicked, looking at his parents, then Paige, then out of the crowd. His mother stood the robot up on its own two feet and began to unlock the hatch in the back where the book would go. But what about the other one? What other one? His mother asked. But Finn couldn't say. He couldn't reveal that he'd seen that other robot, the perfect one, in a place he was forbidden to go. Go grab your book, buddy, his dad said, clapping Finn on the shoulder. I I haven't had the chance to... He was still stunned by the robot in front of him. A very small and misshapen robot, he thought. Not one built for adventures and exploring. Not the magnificent bot he had seen in the factory. What's that? his father asked. Is it at your table? Go get it. It's time to download. I don't have a book, Finn said. Now it was his mother and father's turn to look stunned. Even Paige was shocked into silence. I meant to, but I couldn't decide. And then I just kind of got lost looking through the shelves. And then when I saw the robot downstairs, I wanted to make sure I picked the right one for it. What? His mother said. What robot downstairs? What are you, what are you talking about, Finn? And that was when everyone in the mess hall heard the loudest explosion they'd ever heard in their lives. <laughs> and they spun to look toward the port side hallway. And they heard yet another as the hallway door exploded off its frame. <laughs> And in ran three great monsters, their giant teeth sparkling in the starlight. They looked at Finn and roared their terrible roars. <laughs> no one in the room moved. No one except Paige, who stood on a chair and yelled, Everybody run! This is Jonathan Messenger, and I'm here with my editor and son, Griffin. You want to say hi? <laughs> <laughs> All right. And... 
We just got through listening to episode two, and you had a question. Can you ask that question? Uh, why is the robot different from the other robot? Well, that's a good question. But if you remember right, they weren't really supposed to be in that robot factory, right? Right. So there was never a guarantee that that was their robot. Right. So they were looking at the wrong robot. Oh. Now the question is. Who was that robot? I don't know. So that's what we have to figure out, right? That's what they're gonna have to figure out. Mm, I, and when, when there was those big explosions, I thought it might be the other robot. Oh, the other robot blasting its way in. Do you know who those monsters were? No. There was one line in there that kind of gave a hint, and the hint was that they roared their terrible roars. Do you know what that's from? I'm trying to remember. Okay, well, that, it's a book that you and I read a lot when you were little. Maybe we can go back and take a look. But if any listeners know what book that's from, then roar their terrible roars, you can let us know. Email us, earth at fincasting.com, tweet us, all that stuff, and let us know if you know what book that's from, because that's a big part of the mystery. All right, so here's, a, here's an alien joke for you. You ready? Yeah. This was sent in from a listener named Pete in Boston. What does the Martian order at a Mexican restaurant? I don't know. Alien <laughs> Okay, so for the next episode, send in more alien jokes. We're always looking for good, bad alien jokes. We'll collect them. We'll play them on the show if you can send them in. Uh, anything else you want to say to everybody, Griffin? No. All right, can you say goodbye? Bye! Okay, thank you so much for listening to episode two of The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian. And thanks for all your kind words and amazing feedback in the first couple of weeks. It's been really fun and gratifying to hear about kids enjoying the show and listening with their parents and talking about it with their parents. And we want to talk with you too. So go to fincaspian.com slash contact where you can you know, email us a voice message, leave us a voicemail. Their phone number is on there. You can go onto our Facebook, our Twitter, all that stuff, all there at fincaspian.com slash contact. Now, a quick note, every week we drop some references here and there to the books we love. Some you may catch, some are really deeply embedded, like in, say, The Protofessor's Prattle. But a couple of times this week, I mentioned books by the great Mo Willems, one of my favorite authors, kids' books or no. And on fincaspian.com, I've posted an interview that I did with Mo Willems where he has a lot of really funny and I think really smart things to say about kids' books. So if you're like me and you care a lot about books, kids' books especially, definitely check that out. The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian is a production of Type Drawer Media and written and produced by Jonathan Messenger, edited and guided by Griffin Messenger, with special thanks to Maria Villanueva. The theme music you hear at the beginning of the show is by the amazing Mark Greenberg, recently voted the nicest human in Illinois. The Finn Caspian cover art is by Ian Dingman, an insanely talented artist and book designer whose internet presence is enviably small. But we do have links in the show notes to see more of his art. I always feel weird asking this, but if you have a second, leave us a review in iTunes. It really helps us get the word out about the show. Thanks so much for listening, and make sure you subscribe in the podcast app of your choice to make sure you don't miss the next episode called... Trying to remember... Until next time, humans. Hey, it's Jess. Did you know that GZM Shows has a YouTube channel? Right now, all of Six Minutes, Becoming Mother Nature, GZM Beats, and Cupid and the Reaper are up. And they're in these, like, beautiful playlists. They have this fun audio waveform visual. And best of all, you can turn on captions. 
And the captions have character names. Anyway, subscribe to GZM Shows on YouTube. Maybe there'll be some cool things in the future, like live streams, interviews, behind the scenes. We'll see. GZM Shows on YouTube. Hey, parents and teachers. Have you heard about gzmclassroom.com? It's a website where teachers can get companion resources for everyone's favorite GZM shows. Six Minutes, Mars Patel, Podcast Title Pending, Seis Minutos, The Res, Becoming Mother Nature, Iowa Chapman and the Last Dog, Treasure Island 2020, The Hollow, Young Ben Franklin, and The Big Fib all have companion resources for additional critical thinking, listening comprehension, and ultimately creativity. We made them just for you. And oh yeah, they're free. Free! The people on Facebook didn't believe us, but they are F-R-E-E free. Head to gzmclassroom.com and get yours today.